Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. How are we all doing on this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Sunday evening for many reasons? Um, I will get into those many reasons, I'm pretty sure. But first of all, let me introduce you to the guys that are on today. We've got Mike, you know, you know, Mike by now, if you've been watching the show. How are we, mate? Yeah, mate, Grace, uh, a little bit tired, but watching you know watching super sunday all three games uh today has just been been class i think every result's gone the way we've wanted so pretty happy with that and you know it's a great performance to talk about too mm, absolutely and mo is back with us how are you doing mate yeah i've been good i've been good uh like mike said i watched all three games as well and, and yeah, it, was, it was it was a good treat today yeah. mm, absolutely um before we get into it let's just address the people that are in the building. We've got Anfield Lad. Once again, this guy is always killing it, man. He's always here. How are you, mate? Hope you're good. Mason says Sobo is special. He absolutely is. Georgie says Liverpool win, United and Chelsea loss. And Salah staying. What a weekend. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably get on to some inevitable Mo Salah chat as we go on. 105 mil for Rice, 150 mil for Caicedo, 60 mil for Sobo. Uh, we hit the jackpot 100%. And Ethan says Sobosly doing the number eight proud. We have the next great midfield duo 100% and Jacob says what a freaking day lad you could say weekend because Chelsea lost Newcastle lost it's all coming Millhouse um but yeah obviously before we get into it as well I must shout out our podcast sponsor if you just bear with me I don't know why my screen has, has stopped showing here it is AFC is just around the corner I believe it is two weeks away now which is mad um and if you're a keen FIFA player and you like to collect things Go and customise your own uh, EAFC card. The new ones are out now. So, um, yeah, get ahead with that. Sorry, someone just disturbed me, even though I told them not to. Use TAT pod um, at checkout to get 15% off. Right, let's get straight into it. Mike, we always start in this place. I think it's the best place to start. Um, There was, look, I, I know... We we both keen Twitter users and we both see things, but I did see a few people concerned with this lineup today. Talk to me. Yeah, what a lot of people. Think? A lot of people. Well, I think a lot of people. Are, we were all questioning sort of the midfield three. Uh, we all assumed Endo was going to start, not Kurt. So when Jones started, I seen a lot of dialogue. Kind of was Jones going to play the six or was Alexis or were we going to play a pivot? That, I feel like that was the main conversation. I feel like when everyone seen Nunes start, I don't know about you guys. Everyone seemed very happy with that. Uh, and then the rest of the lineup picks itself, really. Uh, I can understand some of the conjecture around Jones starting, but I feel like it made more sense than putting Endo back in. Uh, I think Endo's still kind of learning the ropes, whereas Jones understands his role, he understands his position. 
McAllister, I think, played an absolute blinder in the six today. Mm. I really did. I know a lot of people say, you know, we can get wasted there. But if you watch, uh, watch uh, Brighton last season, he spent the large part of the season and the last two seasons there as a pivot. He only really played the more advanced roles when he was playing for Argentina and maybe at the back end of the season for Brighton as well. So it was a natural position for uh, McAllister to slot into. And, you know, obviously he played a blinder. I think Jones proved a lot of people wrong with his performance as well, which is... Uh, as someone who really, you know, I'm a big fan of Jones. I think he's got a lot of ability. So, um, you know, I was glad to see him put in a good performance as well. Absolutely. And Mo, coming to you, mate, do you share that same thoughts? A lot of people were, um, like Mike said, talking about McAllister playing as the six. Obviously, a lot of people were a bit apprehensive over the centre-back partnership. Um, obviously, Darwin Nunes comes back into the starting lineup for the first time this season after his brace against Newcastle. So, yeah, where was you at when, when you saw this lineup? Was you confident that we'd go and get the job done? Yeah, I mean, my, my thoughts depended on really how Villa would approach the game. I mean, yeah. they ended up playing that really aggressive high line and that, and that practically suited us the way, we, the way we wanted to attack them also. I mean, if Villa were going to be perhaps adapt their approach and be a bit more defensive or go into that low block, I mean, it could have been... Um, they, they, could have, they could have probably given us more issues, especially with their, with their transitional threat and the likes of Darwin Nunes and XYZ. Perhaps maybe they're not best suited for a low block. When you're playing Nunes and McAllister, who can play excellent, ex- excellent balls, and and and, and Dominic Sabostai, I mean these play these players are suited to play against the high line, and and today and, th- and today's performance proved that. And then when you mentioned the centre back partnership, Joe Gomez and Matip haven't given us confidence in the last in, in the in the last few games when they partnered up together, but today they played. I, I, I think the whole team just. I think there wasn't any individual performance to say that I would say was wow it stunned me it was more to do with the whole team collectively just played really really well the system played really really well everyone and was we, sort of like eight out of tens exactly exactly everyone just had a really good performance today and and and, and, we, and we and we provided a very solid 3-0 win mm-hmm. I completely agree both of you I've never been one to moan about a lineup before balls kicked I don't really understand why people do it to be honest because you can just be putting yourself in a position where you look absolutely stupid. And I think a couple of people did look like that today. You know, I saw people on the timeline saying that Jurgen Klopp is ruining Alexis McAllister. I saw people um, saying how um, Gomez and Matip are going to concede at least three and all this stuff. And um, the best thing to do is just look at a lineup. And if you don't agree with it, okay, fine. I don't agree with it, but let's see what happens. And today, uh, like Mike said, Alexis McAllister is absolutely no stranger to playing in that deeper position. In fact, he's spoken on it before and he said he actually prefers to play there. So I don't know where that whole thing comes from. Like, I, Look, I completely get it. People wanted a destroying six. I get that. But maybe we're transitioning to a side now that is going to have players like McAllister, Raven Birch, Endo, who can defend but also offer a lot more when you have the ball and Maybe that's just the way we're going forward, and maybe that's why they weren't so desperate for sign of destroying six. But yeah, I, I thought McAllister, like Mike said, was brilliant today. He really was. Um, the centre backs, obviously, we'll, we'll get onto it a bit more as we go along. But again, these boys were superb. There was there was a couple of moments from Matip. Um, he misses a free header, and then he decides to give Aston Villa a chance by putting the ball out for a corner. But apart from that, both of them were absolutely fantastic. So um, I like like Moser. I just think everybody was a solid seven and a half, eight out of ten today. But I think there was one man who deserves a lot of praise, and we'll come to him in a little bit. But um, Mike, let's go straight to, from the start. I can't actually remember what minute this was in. Um, what minute did we get our first goal? It was very early, wasn't it? You're giving me a quiz question here. If, if Mo knows, Mo can hop in. It, it was, was the third on. minute. Second third minute. I saw second, second minute, I believe. 
Google says wow, that minute. early, was it? Uh, yeah. He scored. He scored. He scored at two fifty or two fifty-seven. So like, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's a third minute. Yeah. Uh, if we're, uh, if so we're being Mike, specific, two fifty-seven. That's that's good by yeah, me. Yeah, there we are. Um, listen, uh, and how I was feeling in that moment, I'll answer for you because I, I Ben, I know you like the back of my hand. I know what question you're about to ask me. How do I feel about it? I felt great. Him hitting that with his weaker foot, the technique he has. Uh, hated the commentary where they just start talking about small feet, uh, but I ignored that because I was, was like, listen. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a, I spoke to my step, stepdad about it uh, just, uh, after the game again, McCall, and he was telling me this pretty pretty accurate. So I was like, fair enough. But in terms of the goal itself, you know, I think what we have in midfield right now is something we haven't had for quite a long time. And I feel what we have is a lot of players that can make a consistent impact in the final third. So not just pull a worldie out every 25 games. I mean, players that are going to consistently provide uh, goals and assists uh, going forward. And I feel like, you know, you know, we speak about the engine we had on the clock with Fabinho, Henderson, Genie. I think now with, you know, Matt, Gravenberg, Endo, Sabaslai, what we have is uh, a much more sort of diverse range of skills in that midfield. And you've seen that today with Sabaslai and, you know, technique on the finishes is second and none. He's He struck it perfectly. And um, yeah, listen, a perfect start to the game, really. Uh, couldn't really get any better. Absolutely. And Mo, it's the first goal for Dominic Sabosai. Obviously, it comes at Anfield, which is always great for a, a new player to get their first goal there. Um, yeah, like Mike was saying, Dom is a player who does offer that engine room. He is going to work his socks off in 90 minutes. We've already seen that from him. But how important is it now? I think Klopp's alluded to it as well, for our number eights to not only be dogs on the pitch, but also offer goals and assists. Because the way he's hit that, like Mike said, mate, it was a true number eights strike, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean the goal. The goal is beautiful, and I and I think that as you as we start to develop into this new system, where like I said, there's, we have three at the back and Trent Severing, etc., it means that our like not how it was before, but our midfielders do need to start creating in the sense that we've got to have a craze in the center of the pitch. Whereas before, perhaps you know Robertson and Trent, they they provided that they gave us that width, and they were our main craze. Robertson and Trent were our main craze, and that isn't the case anymore. Therefore, that, that 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 therefore puts the burden on our midfielders like McAllister and Sobosly to provide those assists, to provide those calls, and to be those careers. And the reason why I genuinely believe we've hit the jackpot of these two midfielders is because not only have they got the technical ability that we knew they had, we knew Sobosly would, would score amazing goals and we knew he'd give us amazing assists and McAllister the same, but they both look like they're willing to act like dogs on the pitch. They're both willing to look like they're pressed and have their engine, Sobosly especially. And, the, and these are players that I feel like we've, 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 we've missed in a sense that, I mean, we've... We, Obviously, Henderson and Wijnaldum, they gave us so much. But sometimes Henderson and other midfielders, perhaps they lack that, lack that technical ability, lack that specialist ability to separate them, especially especially against high quality opponents. Whereas Sobosla and McAllister, I feel like they have the engine, they have the, they have, they have that desire off of Henderson, off of Wijnaldum, but they also give us that edge of a tech, of technicians and specialists. And honestly, I feel like we have, we've actually hit the jackpot of these midfielders to get them both in the same window. Mind blowing business, in my opinion. Incredible yeah, Mo, business. I've got a question for you on that. I, I say this question more of an observation. I just wonder what your take is on it. So when we brought Thiago in, uh, so obviously way before we've got this new midfield, he was brought in alongside this engine room of a midfield. And at times, not not even at times, when we see him play, he'd stand out like a sore thumb because of just his technical ability. Do you think we're going to now see even more from Thiago or maybe we can alleviate the pressure from Thiago and allow him to play his natural game now? because he's surrounded by these players? Do you think we're going to see maybe a different side of Thiago or perhaps just a more comfortable Thiago at Liverpool when he comes back? 100%. The Thiago point is absolutely fantastic because we saw against, perhaps in two seasons ago, against the United 4-0 win and other victories where 
we gave Thiago so much praise because he, like I said, he just he gave that he gave us the passion, the engine, the desire, but he also gave us that incredible technical ability, that incredible the ability to just ping balls. And I feel like we've got we've got midfielders in that same in that same version of and within um, Alexis and and, and and Dominic, and therefore. When when Thiago, if Thiago does play with them or, or those players, I, I feel like these three are going to be really really suited to But I think I think Thiago can play that sixth position alongside McAllister and Sabotsla and against mm-hmm. big perhaps maybe not against a United or a or a Man City where perhaps they're they're going to match us in that sense in terms of their tech, technical their technical technical ability too. But against like an Aston Villa today or other or other perhaps lower quality opponents in that sense, they can dominate the ball. And they and, and and they can mm-hmm. definitely definitely give us that edge hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think having these three midfielders. Alongside the other midfielders that we have, I, th- I feel like I feel like the only like I said, the only thing missing. I mean, I'm not gonna go on about it, but the only thing we're missing is a six. But we're finding yeah. very good solutions. The, the important thing is to be innovative, and in it, but the important thing is to find solutions constantly. And we're doing that. Each game we're finding a solution. This game is McAllister. Yeah. The previous game before, we're finding solutions. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good point on the back of what Mo was just saying about the six. I remember we spoke about it in the transfer deadline day stream, Mike, and I said it was sort of almost like horses for courses sort of thing. Mm. Some games at home against the lesser oppositions, you'll get away with even Gravenberch probably playing as a six. You know, if, we, if we've got yeah. 60-70% of the ball, you'll get away with not having a destroyer. I just feel like of course a destroying DM is obviously key if you, especially if you're playing a 4 3 3 but if you're going with a double pivot, which it seems to to me at least, now we signed Ryan Gravenberch and today obviously we saw McAllister playing as the six, I just can't see him being the lone six for the long term, especially well, when you go to like the Etihad and piss yeah. like that, I just can't see it. So I feel like we're going to go over double, and if we are going to do that, I think we've got the players now to go and do that. Well, just bouncing off that point, and again, I love most thoughts on this as well. Is mm. you talk about playing with a pivot? So if you look at today's game, I mean, Trent and Mac with a pivot, and mm. in transit when we had the ball, that that was the pivot. And there was some, there was a game. Um, why have I suddenly forgot the opponent? Uh, the game where McAllister got sent off. What, who was the opponent? Bournemouth. 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 First 10 minutes of Bournemouth where we couldn't get a hold of the ball, kept losing it. We were playing Trent in the pivot role. That didn't work, so we readjusted the formation and Trent started pushing further out wide and we were playing with the lone six. So I think that the fluidity of our team be to shift from a pivot to just a standard six is what's going to benefit us in those games. Because I think what we've seen today as well with the midfield kind of getting to know each other a bit more was the fluidity We've seen Jones and Sobersly swap sides. There were moments where Sobersly was the deepest line player and McAllister pushed forward a little bit more. I think it's the fluidity of our midfield along with you know the addition of Trent and Robertson getting much more comfortable with playing in this back three. I think not only does it add this you know, aspect of unpredictability when we're on the ball, but also it, it provides assurances off the ball because of where they're all set up now. You know, when when we lose possession, we have three, we have a minimum of four behind the ball at times five. It's actually better defensively for us than probably some of our formations in recent history. Exactly. Mo, I just wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I was going to quickly say, I mean, I want to try compare this situation to City when they didn't have a striker. City didn't have a striker. We could see, we could see in. Perhaps the grand scheme of things in the domestic competitions, it looks like they were missing a striker. But the reason why they were able to just continually be so good and grind our results and win that Premier League title in that lockdown season was simply because each game they found a solution. They consistently found a solution and they were able to have other players in other areas of the pitch able to step up also. I mean, they, they, they never once kept the same line for, for a couple of games in a row. They had multiple midfielders. They, had, they, were, they were just able to be very fluid and, and rotate very, very well. And I feel like if we can almost... 
take it in that same sphere where we accept, okay, cool, we do not have a number six. We're, we're going to lack that destroyer. But continually, each game, we just, we just keep being innovative and find that solution consistently each game. I feel like we could still achieve something this season, whether that be top four, whether that be Europa League. We can still do something special this season simply because we have the quality elsewhere. We have the number eight. We have McAllister. We have Sabosla. We have Gavin Birch. We have an incredible range of attackers. I mean, Diaz, Nunes, Salah, Jota and Gakpo. That's an incredible strike force. And then you look at perhaps hopefully Van Dijk. I mean... Gomez also, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be too, too, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to go too far with Gomez, but Gomez looked decent again today. He looked very good against Newcastle. Him, if he if he can able to get our confidence and we slowly ease him in and, and Konati comes back and Van Dijk is always going to come back next game, something could still be tangible. We could still genuinely go into each game feeling like, I mean, going to each game, not worrying about, not worrying about not having a six, but just knowing that we're going to continually find that solution. We, that same spirit that C had when they knew they didn't have a striker, but they relied on other areas. They relied on um, the other places to step up and continue to find a solution each game. Each game provided a different role with them. Perhaps they would play a pivot with Cancelo and Rodri or they'll play just Rodri. Mm-hmm. They'll just find that solution each game. And I feel like we're doing that. Today was my color sorts. Like, we'll see what happens in the next game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think that is the, the key now, what my, uh, uh, Mojo said there. Let's see what happens in the next game. Anything can happen. Like AMHD says, Bersetic could come in. You know, you could just bring Gravenberch in if it's a, it's a gamble because he's not played yet. But you could do anything. You could bring Gakpo in. You could go with Jota. You, there's so many possibilities. And I know people feel let down by the transfer window. Obviously, we didn't get the centre-back that we always said we needed. We probably didn't get the DM everyone wanted. But we still have a very good squad. We still have a, a very good set of players. And, you know, I, I did an 11 for the Europa League the other day. And I looked at that team and I thought, that's still a very decent side. And it was pretty much every single player uh, swapped out. I think there was only a couple where you know they weren't. But um, yeah, let's get let's finish talking about the game and then we'll um, we'll assess the situation in general. Um, the second goal, we'll just go straight to that. That came on the twenty second minute. Mo, we'll, we'll come to you for this one first. Trent Alexander Arnold. He's been you know the the man under pressure to say the least after the start of the season. He's made a couple of mistakes that have led to goals. Um, he obviously lost his head in the first half against Newcastle. He's under a lot of scrutiny at the minute, but not just for this goal, but f- for today in general. I thought on the ball, he was back at his best. And for this second goal where he plays that ball over the top to Mo Salah, Salah slots it into Nunes. And Nunes is very unlucky, to be honest to him, not to score you know, with his initial shot. Um, he rattles the post and then it goes in off Matty Cash. But talk us through that goal, mate. What, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold's influence and the, the finish as well. I mean, like I said, Trent, Trent, obviously, aside from these specific moments, looks like he's genuinely getting back to his best. And we saw that the second half of last season, or I mean, the last 10, 11 games of last season too, where he couldn't, he couldn't even get an assist for the first half of the season. But then suddenly he gets five, six, seven assists and he's slowly getting back. And he's, and he's looking like he's continued that form into the new season. His ability to play diagonals, his ability to break lines. I mean, like I said, we, ha- we have an elite, elite superstar on this pitch when it comes to training in terms of providing that difference. He is our, he is our De Bruyne. He is our difference maker, especially when it comes to finding a magic moment, etc. He's that, he, he that player for us. And it was a fantastic diagonal. It was a fantastic ball to... Um, to Salah and and ball to Nunes. I mean, Nunes, yeah, like I said, Nunes was was super unlucky to not score. But like I said, it's it's, it's Nunes' ability to force his moments, force his errors that makes him such a threat. His ability to just consistently be a threat, and and his mm-hmm. runs off the ball. I mean, I saw I saw something about Monday Night Football highlighting how Haaland makes so many runs, and perhaps he's not always found. But I, that, that 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 enables C to find space 
this is what Nunes provides with also his ability to make runs enables our midfielders to find space and it's going to create and it's going to create chaos whatever people like to call it chaos threat xg whatever he's going to continually generate chance for us simply because of the presence he is on the pitch and he, he gives us importantly he gives us a different dynamic to Gakpo. I mean Gakpo, like I said, he can drop in deep and and have that technical ability to wiggle out space and and maybe make our wingers better. But Nunes can make our midfielders better. He can stretch the pitcher really what well. he can stretch the pitcher really far and, and enable our midfielders to have much more space in the ball and players like Trent also to have much more space. So yeah, yeah. I, I was I was really satisfied with the second goal. Yeah. Yeah, and um Mike, coming back to you, mate, Nunes. You know, there's a lot of shouts for him to come in from uh, that Newcastle brace. You know, this is the second I wasn't able to do the post-match reaction after Newcastle because I home. But it was the right call, wasn't it, to bring him back in today? Because like we said yeah. at the start of the stream, they seem to play a high line. And when, you know, we are facing those high lines, there's only one man I want up front, and that is Darwin Nunes to put on the shoulder. Yeah, I, th- I think you know Mo makes a good point as well about you know Nunes's impact when he's on the pitch, uh, especially against high lines. Because there are two there are two benefits to it. One, if he gets you know if he breaks the offside trap and he's in behind, happy days. But also he pushes their back four back. He pushes their centre backs back, and what that does is it creates a space between you know their pivot of uh, I forget I forget as uh, Douglas Louise and I can't remember the other fellow's name. Uh, thank you, Kamara. Uh, it creates a space between there, and that's where we've seen the likes of, you know, Diaz stepping in to pick the ball up, uh, Sobosly stepping in to pick the ball up. And that's th- those are the moments we're, where we're able to create these real opportunities. So, yeah, listen, it was it was the right decision. Um, the more I think about it, you know, how Villa set up tactically, I'm wondering whether he started genuinely off the back of his performance when he came on against Newcastle, or this was always going to be the plan just because it makes sense yeah. um, for, the, for the team we're playing. I think Klopp oh, has said interviews in the both, maybe isn't it? Yeah, it, it could be. Like I think Klopp made made it very clear that you know we are going to play you know a different front line, very much dependent on who we're up against. Same, probably the same with midfield. We are going to rotate the squad probably a lot more this season than we've seen um, last season. And obviously, it was a, it was forced a lot last season. But we, I think we'll see a lot of rotation, especially in the front three or well, two of the front three. I think Salah pretty much is a shoe in every game. But because um, with Gakpo, what he provides, Gakpo provides stability in the sense of. It provides a familiar a familiarity. Can barely say that word, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, it's something familiar, you know, because we're used to the false now. We used to someone dropping off, picking the ball up, trying to pull the centre back out with the with the winger uh, bombing in behind. But teams have figured this out. So there are there are moments where you know we can try and play the false nine. I think it even happened against Newcastle, even when we had enough men on the pitch. I don't think we we it, it didn't look right. Thing it just still didn't, it was getting figured out. It was getting found out too easily. Um, whereas with Nunes, you know, like you know, it's been said, you know, unpredictability, chaos, you know, he's always going to stretch a defender. Whether he's going to get a goal or not, you know, he's always going to stretch a line. He's always going to make a player commit a foul. He's always going to pull a centre-back away from his position because he, he's a nightmare to play against. You know, you know, top pundits that have played in the game, you know, Roy Keane, Neville, Carragher have all admitted he would be the, he'd be the nightmare. Out of all of our front lot yeah. other than Salah, he's the nightmare because he's constantly on the move. Never mind and what he's like to Say what? And he's also unpredictable. Like he's unpredictable. Yeah. Exactly. Like the most unpredictable player. Sorry, one more. Uh, the, the most unpredictable player I've ever seen play for Liverpool is Luis Suarez. Right. Yeah. Now Luis Suarez, obviously, you know, different gravy, different type of player, but it's the unpredictability that can win you a game. You know, the 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 run out of nowhere, the shot from nowhere. His finishes against Newcastle, no one would have said that he was going to finish them. Like if we're being honest. Especially that first one. That first one is an underrated finish in a lot of different ways. Yeah. So, yeah, his unpredictability is a massive asset for sure. 
No, absolutely. Um, just on the back of Trent, Ethan has said we're worried about Trent. I did see that he's gone for a scan. Um, apparently, he said to Klopp, it doesn't feel like it's bad. But I did also read that he probably is going to be ruled out of international duty, which could be a good thing because it gives him the two weeks to sort of try and overcome it, whatever it is. Maybe he might miss the first game back. Um, I don't know. But yeah, we don't know. It's still very early. He's gone for a scan, apparently. And um, I'm sure we'll hear something this week about how it's a minor for him to then miss a month. Uh, that's normally what happens with us, isn't it? But um, yeah, it is what it is, man. We don't have another right back, do we? So um, Joe Gomez will have to do a job because I think um, Bradley's well, also got... injured, isn't he? Yeah, Bradley's recovering, Bradley's I believe, from injury. Injured. Yeah, so it'll have to be Joe Gomez uh, away at Wolves, I think is our next game. But um, yeah, Wolves we'll cross that like... bridge when we come to it, guys. It could, it could be nothing. So we don't want to get too stressed about it as of yet. Uh, Mo, there was a moment in the second half, it was relatively early on in the second half, where this could have changed the game. We were 2-0 up, and they put a ball in, and it's a Matty Cash header, and Alisson makes the save. If that goes in, mate, you think it's a different game today? Definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, aside from all the improvements we made in terms of offensively, I mean, one of our biggest issues is that I feel like we can still succumb to momentum very quickly in terms of, like, once the game turns on us, it's like our whole team just mentally collapses. I mean, not mentally collapses in the sense that we just like, we, we, like no, nobody tries anymore in the sense that I feel like once one thing turns, like a goal comes in or a red card comes in or a mistake, I just feel like we, the whole team just collectively drops and one goal goes in, a second goal goes in. I feel like, I feel like that's just, that, that's, we haven't really refined, we haven't really returned to that kind of mentality monster kind of condition. It was still that kind of team that could perhaps be very reliant on, I mean, be very reliant on momentum and, and, and the swings in the game. So, yeah, it, it definitely, definitely, in my opinion, would have been a different game, simply simply because I don't know if I believe to see how a 2-0 win would have been, would have been, would have been, would have been, would have, would have, would have, would have been that straightforward, to be honest. So, so yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, Mike, just on the back of Alisson, I think that is what separates him from the best. There's two things that I, I took from that, and it's not the best Alisson save, it's not in the top. 100 Allison saves. Like We're not going to try and overhype this. But one, his positioning is always key because he never has to make a camera save. If that's Anana or somebody else, they're out of position and they have to dive across the goal to make the save. Allison's already there. He's anticipated it. And two, Allison Becker, even when there's not really much going for the opposition, this guy's always on his toes. He's always ready. Yeah. So how important are those two attributes for the best goalie in the world to have, mate? Listen, you know, Allison over the years, he's probably been our most consistent player. Um, you know, never mind Mo, never mind Van Dijk. Allison has always came in clutch for us. And I think in the last two games alone, you know, against Newcastle, he made what I believe was just ridiculous save. Uh, you know, the, the strength behind his, behind his wrist to keep that out, I thought was unbelievable. And then again today, you know, to make sure he kept the clean sheet, you know, hats off, he deserved it. I think it's the first clean sheet of the season for us. Mm. So it's good to get that under the belt. Um and you know, long may it continue. The thing is with Allison as well, he's still for a keeper, he's still still quite he's not young, but he's not old for a keeper either. No, so we still is, have Allison for 30... 31, 32 maybe. No, but he's, he's 33. No, there you go. So we so still got another you're still that talking about four or five. Yeah, so you're talking four or five years minimum for Allison, you know, still to go and uh it's just exciting, you know. So um yeah, he's a fantastic goalkeeper. There's not more to really say with him, you know. No, there's nothing left to be said that hasn't been said. Uh, they paired Ponan to Allison, uh, says Georgie. They did, and it's absolutely hilarious seeing 
banana celebrate today and then 10 minutes later well not 10 minutes later 10 seconds later he was telling his team to calm down yeah what a game uh, that was by the way Arsenal uh, Mo we'll you said you seen that. the game didn't you yeah, I know yeah, we're not yeah. getting into that, but what a, what a final 10 minutes of that game that was, mate. Unbelievable. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I we'll mean, touch it, on it, boys. For sure, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll touch on it. Uh, Jago says, crazy how clear Ali is of anyone else in the league. He is. He's undisputed, not even just in the league, in the world. Uh, there's nobody that comes close to him. And Ali's the most rounded keeper I've ever seen. Only that's like him is Mamo Noya. That is quite the statement. Uh, but yeah, we'll get on to trolling United once we've got through this game. Um We've only got a couple more things to say, really, and then we're going to go to sort of individual performances, who we was impressed with, um, and those kind of things. So um, let's just talk about the third goal then. Um, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll take it away. So Robert's corner comes in and Nunes knocks it down. Now, I don't know whether he's gone for goal or if he has genuinely meant to knock it down, but he knocks it down and Salah smashes it home. Now, Darwin Nunes, like Mike said, he was good today. Like There will be people with Darwin Nunes' agendas that or looking at the finishes he missed, that one that Salah chipped over to him. And yeah, he probably should have scored that. Um, he probably should have scored a couple more today. He could have got a hat-trick. But Darwin Nunes just makes stuff happen. And as far as I'm concerned, if you're a striker and you've had a big, big role to play in two or three goals that your team scored, you've done your job. No matter what else has happened in the game, you've done your job. You've done your bit. Ultimately, being Liverpool's number nine, I know Firmino was slightly different in some ways, but it is, most times to make, you know, goals happen. Um, and Firmino did do that as well. Let me not get that twisted. But Firmino was much more than that. He wasn't just a goal creator or goal scorer. Firmino was the system. He was the brain of the team. He was everything for us. But a typical number nine, your job is to get on the end of things and make things happen and cause de- defences chaos. You know, Fernando Torres, like Mike said, I know he didn't win number nine, but Luis Suarez, all of these guys we've seen have done it. And Darwin Nunes, he's, like I say, he's, he's not on their level in terms of ability but he's unique in his own way he makes things happen and he makes defenders terrified and for me that's fine as long as you're getting involved and you're contributing which he has done in the last two games it doesn't matter like I think um, the first one that comes off the post is obviously harsh because he's very nearly got it perfect and then he hits the bar again later on and that chance is not easy you know, I saw people moaning about that. That is not an easy chance. He's actually done very well to hit the bar from that position, in my opinion. Just, just, just quickly, Ben, I was going to say, the only argument yeah. that, that I would make is that, okay, against today against Villa, fair enough, but arguably across the last, the, the, the games that Nunes plays, he's, he's, he's almost consistent in the sense that he, he generates his chances, but he fails to just be clinical. And I feel like in, in bigger games, in bigger games in, in a... Europe, Europe, or you see, a European semi-final, a European final, or a domestic semi-final against top teams. If he doesn't develop that clinical edge and it and it doesn't come soon, it could be a major sticking issue for us, and it could be and it and it could go back and it could go back to the sense where he just gets dropped again simply because he's able to generate his chances and and and, and give us that momentum swing, but he's not able to capitalize. And if he isn't well, able when, to capitalize in bigger well, games, it, it could be an issue. Yeah. What about Real Madrid? He did. No, you're right. There. Well, yeah. facts against 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 Madrid, he did he did do his job. But then we saw a few games last season, especially that run where the, perhaps the whole team was bad. But for yeah, example, yeah, against, yeah. against against Brentford or other teams, especially away from home, where he's starting, he's generating, he's being he's being a nuisance. But because he doesn't capitalize on that on 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 that goal on 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 that, in, in, he doesn't capitalize on his chance in that in that game, especially in away games where where chances can be very few, and especially in away games, you want that fast start to able to just kill the atmosphere. If he doesn't get that clinical edge. 
that can change the whole game for us. It could be almost as if like us conceding an early goal by Nunes missing a, a good chance early, early. But the the, 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 the like I said, uh, to, to to be devil advocate against my own own argument is that the important thing, like I said, is for strikers to it's for strikers to generate xG. That's the important thing. And if he's able to generate xG, then he's gonna score a certain amount of goals anyway. If he generates thirty xG, he's he's gonna give us fifteen goals at minimum anyway. And that's the important yeah, thing. The- the, the beauty of it, and you know, I think he is a confidence player. And the more he plays, and the more he gets a feel for goals, I think they'll come, and he will become that twenty twenty five goal a season striker that we, you know, we ultimately paid sixty five million pounds for. So, Mike, on the back of what we've we've just discussed, there is that basically going to be the best situation for him now to just. I'm not saying he has to start every single game because we've got attackers in abundance, but surely the more he plays. The more goals he scores, the more confident he's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen. In the space of ten days, when we come back, we have four games. You know, so he's he's going to start at least. I'd say he starts at least two of them. You know, we've got Wolves, uh, Wolves away. Then we're away in Europe. Then we've got West Ham at home. Then we've got uh, Leicester at home. Right? We've got we've got four games in ten days, and then we've got another game in a couple of days after. So he's going to have plenty of opportunities to play. He's not going to start every game. But because of how congested the fixture lists are now, because the FA or whoever really sorts these don't care about player uh, well-being, um, you know, as fans, it's great we get to watch more football. As you know, but the reality is we're going to watch see a lot more players pick up more injuries the longer this goes on. But with that being said, Nunes will get plenty of chances to play, and it's the same with Gakpo, Jota, and all that. And you know, not not to dim down anything, but when Jota came on, he wasn't exactly staggering either, and that's because he's not really had consistent game time. So it's going to be hard for Jota to find any form as well. So that's why when the longer the season goes on, when we are having, uh, if we go far enough in, in the cup as well, we are going to, we are talking, we're going to be playing every three days. And that is where the luxury of the depth of our attacking side of things is going to come into play. And that's also where the, uh, the lack of cover we have defensively is also going to get exposed. He's going to feast in that in that Europa League group. I almost said Champions League group. Well, he's going to feast in that Europa League group. The, the teams that we've got, if we give him that, that is going to do the absolute world for him. Trust me. Just getting that no, feeling yeah, of him putting the ball in the back of the net, he's going to he's gonna feast. Um, that's, yeah, we've, we've covered most of the game. Uh, let's get on to some individual performances that we were most impressed with. And I want to talk a bit more about our new number eight because obviously he's the one that I think is just blown everyone away in the first four games. Mike, just coming back to you first on this one, because I know we've spoken about him quite a bit. Just summarise him, first of all, what you've seen and what you saw today. Like, for me, I'm just watching him today thinking, this is exactly what we missed. Everything about this yeah. guy epitomises what we missed last season. I'll tell you now, I'll tell you now, Mo, you may not have seen this, but this guy's made me eat my words. So in the transfer window when we signed him, right, genuinely, one of the first things I said was I said, and Ben will know this, I, I said, listen, I'm excited by the signing, I can't wait for Yeah, yeah, no, Jesus Christ. But I basically said, like, I'm worried he won't be able to do the defensive work because from the few games that I've seen of him play, he's never really in those areas. I was worried he, he wasn't going to have the... He'd definitely have the legs, but it's where, where enough he has the ability to defend correctly and not give silly fouls away. Like, I love Thiago, but he loves to give a silly foul away, right? And arguably, arguably that was a, that, that, I mean, that, that's, that's a fair judgment because it, at Leipzig, he was more of a right wing slash right. Exactly. He, wasn't really, he wasn't really getting involved in the defense. So, so, on the eye, if you're watching a few Leipzig games, you're seeing a luxury play in that sense. You're not seeing a, a, a dual-winning yeah. monster. So you, that's yeah, exactly so, it. Yeah. So, it's yeah. like, it's a fair yeah. assessment, but my God, he's came in and shown me, shown anyone that had that preconception about him 
uh, that it was a misconception, you know? But you know um, what, Mike? Just to interrupt there, at least you're honest, right? And I will give oh, you this. Oh, thank when you. we've signed <laughs> a player, right? And if you've not known too much about him, you've, you've said it and you've not, you've not like wrote a player off because you might not like or, or you might not see oh, mate, no, like I can't. somebody else. But what you've done is you've gone and watched him, you've read, you've read upon him, and now you've said, you know what? Okay, fine. He, he has surprised me. But some people think that mm. they're like some sort of professional analyst. Name names, man. Every you. single player in Europe. And <laughs> as soon as we sign them, if it's not on their list of players that they wanted, that's it. They can't be good. Listen, but no, you listen. didn't. You you admitted you hadn't really watched him much. Yeah. And now you have. But that's, that's how I've always been. Yeah. Bro, at the end of the day, I'm 25, right? I ain't got time to play Twitter games. I ain't got time to be like off the line going, oh, this this player's never going to make it or this player's a wonder kid if I haven't seen them play. Now, what I do, what I am blessed with is my brother works in football and my best mate is a coach. So, like, I have enough sort of side knowledge that I can sort of take their little sentences and phrases and make it sound like I know something, you know? That's pretty much all I can do, right? But it's, it's, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's cohesive. But with Sabasly, like I say, my, my biggest concern was he wasn't going to be able to do the tr- defensive tracking that Henderson was able to do in his prime to cover Trent's area, right? I think today what I've seen was a player that not only was able to do that, but he was able to do it at the same level as Trent at his best, and he's only been here a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that's exciting. Uh, what he brought, provides going forward, you know, he, he he's just so composed. He's got such a cultured foot. He seems to have a dexterous as well. Like, left foot, right foot doesn't seem to phase him. I, he has an engine that's never going to die. He can run for 100 minutes and then walk off the pitch without needing to catch his breath. I think we have a very, very special player here, and we have to look after him. We can't run him into the ground because it's not about the age of a player. It's about the minutes in the legs. That's what defines a player. And sometimes we can we can overdo it. I think we Fabinho and Henderson's careers, you know, we put too many minutes in their legs, and that's why Fabinho's thirty-one running like a thirty-eight-year-old, right? Nothing against him. I, I love Fabinho, but it's the way we play, and it's the way that our. No, I'm not gonna say that. Um, yeah, it's it's the way we play. Uh, so, yeah. so it's just one of those things. Yeah, just you know, just, just just quickly, yeah, I was gonna say that's good. why. That's why the the Gravenberg signing becomes even more important because I know people will look at the signing and be like, oh, we already have we already have two years, we already signed McAllister, but why we said but this is why because we need we need we need we need a we need a certain benchmark of quality and we also need the ability to rotate also and Gravenberg gives us the ability to not to not solely rely on McAllister and Sabasa because if we overplay them, overuse them, we're gonna to get to that same situation where our midfielder dies yeah. at back mid end of the season. So Gravenberg gives us that definitely. that benchmark of quality, but the ability to rotate also. So again, you're definitely yeah, right there. And I think bounce, bouncing off that again as well. The the best thing about uh, the, the Gravenberg signing is we don't necessarily know how he's going to be used yet. You know, so that there's a lot. He's so young and he's so raw. We, he can be anything. He can be a six and eight or a ten. It, it's very much down to the molding and how we want to mold him at Liverpool. And this. this the opposite can be said for Endo, where we know exactly what Endo can do, but he's been brought in for what you've just said there about rotation. I know a lot of, a lot of people kicked up a fuss about Endo, and I still don't fully grasp it, but it is what it is. I'm not going to get into that. From what I've seen of him so far, he's a very just standard, okay, give me the ball, quick pass off. I'm not doing anything fancy with it. Get the ball, get out, get it, get out of danger, give it to the left. Get the ball back, give it to the right. You need those players to see games out. James Milner was is still the best at it. He comes on the pitch, gets a yellow card and sees the game out every he single did time. For Brighton, right? He did for Brian. We all called it. When mm-hmm. he came on the pitch, it was like two veterans, him and Alana. I said Alana will get injured and Milner will get a yellow card. Alana <laughs> didn't get injured. Fair enough. I was you know fair enough. He proved me wrong. Good on him. But Milner is it's a guarantee. But you need players like that to win leagues. 
you you need it 100%. to win tight. And that's why like- that's why I was actually an advocate for Milner staying, and people cut me for it. But listen, I still stand by it. I would I would have kept James Warner anyway. Just going back to Sobosai. Um, everybody knows that knows me knows that I had a affection for our previous number eight, right? And I still stand by it. I love Nabi That is my guy. I love him. The only problem is we didn't get him on the pitch enough or anywhere near as much as we should have, right? Now Dom Sabosla is coming. I'm pretty sure I've seen him play as many minutes this season as Nabi played all of last season. So just that in itself is an improvement. Uh, but Mo, coming to you on Sabosla, mate. Now we've seen exactly what he can offer. We got him for 60 million. You know, there was a chance that had we signed Jude Bellingham in the summer, I know that's a very touchy subject within our fan base, but let's just say this for now. Had we signed Jude Bellingham last summer, that may have been one of our only midfield recruits, right? So to go and get Sly, who obviously Jude's probably going to get more goals. I think for Real Madrid at the minute, he's playing in a more advanced role, to be fair. But for what we need, and I'm not saying Sobosly is better than Jude, if you want to say that, that's up to you. But is Sobosly technically a better fit than any of the other midfielders that we could have got for what we need? I, th- I think 100%. I think, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I, the, the reason why the, the, the McAllister and Sobosly signing give me hope in terms of that, all, all the questions around our recruitment team is that it looks like a player that that they, that they use data to sign, and that's what made us so successful in terms of previous signings. Also, where we relied on the data, and of course, a bit of scouting also, we relied on data to to, to shortlist targets. And I feel like Sabosla must have been must have been one of those signings also in the sense that we look it on the eye, we see we see we saw a player like Leipzig who was a creator, he was almost a, a luxury in a sense, but the data must have shown something different, must have given us a different dynamic in terms of the kind of player he is. And I feel like. And, and, and I feel like that, that signing re- kind of renews my hope in our recruitment team after a few mm-hmm. signings that arguably people question are, are these sort of saying Michael Edwards, let them But these two signings, plus let's see how Gravenberg turns out, could be could be a sign for us that, yes, Mike, we might have lost Julian Ward and Michael Edwards, but the recruitment team, the core, our, our actual principle in terms of relying on data and relying on scouting, I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 it generally does give me hope in that sense. And and look, so far four games in, and he's been absolutely fantastic in each in each of those four in each in each of those four games. He's been a he's been a superstar star player, and he's also and 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 the thing about Luka fans also is that a player a player obviously can score goals and win hearts, but he's he's almost like he's doing both. He's like he's he's giving players a reason to 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 almost be a fan favorite in that sense because he has mm-hmm. that personality on that pitch. He has that I don't want to use a Twitter. He has that aura on the pitch. I want to say almost that that kind of personality on the pitch where. He consistently scores off the door, off the door, door, and, and and players recognize. I mean, that's why fans adore Darwin Nunes. He isn't bagging goals at a ridiculous rate, but they see. But fans watch him on the pitch and see what he's giving, and people and, and people almost get adrenaline off this. I feel like Sabosla is giving us that as well, and he's going in some incredible performances also. So, aside from what he's doing actually on the pitch, that kind of signing along with McAllister gives me hope in our recruitment team that the, the core, our core principles are still there, and we're still and we're still in the correct, and we're still going to be doing the correct things in the transfer market. Come. Come January, the next summer window, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, my thing on Sly is just, I think we've pretty much covered it really well. Um, I did a tweet at the end of the game, and I think Sly is a big, big part of this. In fact, I think he is the biggest part of it from what I've seen this season. The, what, the press is back, and that means Liverpool's back. Let me say that again. The press is back. So Liverpool are back. And that I, I'll tell you simple. right now, if we lose lose to Wolves, no, 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 I'm no, 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 no. Listen, <laughs> listen to me, right? Listen, I'm no. being dead, deadly serious now. Oh. This was such a simple tweet, and it's such a simple thing. Pressing, chasing your man, closing people down, being quick, being fast off the ball. 
but we didn't see it last season. And for a while now, I've been thinking, like, we've gone to this free at the back, this box midfield, inverted players. And it's just like, I, I like trying new things, but sometimes I feel like we need to go back to the basics and what this team's been good at and what Jurgen Klopp has been very good at since he was at Mainz to Dortmund to Liverpool. And that is pressing, everyone working as a team, working from the front, every single midfielder pressing for 90 minutes. And obviously last season was the first season since Klopp's been here where that just seemed to have gone. And the moment that came back, I just thought, you know what, this is it now. Like, I'm not saying we're going to go on to win the league. We could do because I think everyone else is crap apart from Man City. I'm not even going to lie. I've watched the other teams this season. I've not been convinced by any of them apart from City. So who knows what's going to happen? But I'm just glad now that we've got midfielders that are pressing. We've got midfielders that can be creative on the ball. Midfielders that are now scoring. Uh, we've signed Gravenberch, who's still not played. Stefan's coming back. Thiago's coming back. It it's sounds good, right? Good for us now. Yeah. It sounds brilliant, mate. We've just gone into the, the first international break of the season on 10 out of 12 points. And if I showed all of you guys, if we did a preview stream, which we did, to be fair, but if we did another one, and I said to you, We've got Newcastle away, we've got Chelsea away, we've got Villa, who, by the way, everyone was tipping for like a top six finish before the season started, and Bournemouth at home. And I said to you, we're going to get 10 points out of 12. You've probably been like, that's a bit optimistic based on last season. But mm. we've done it. and we go. I'm actually kind of annoyed, to be fair, that the international break's come around now, because we're in, a, yep. we're in our stride, we're in, we're in momentum. Um, the only saving grace for me is now it gives time for Thiago to get back. It gives a bit more time for Stefan to get up to speed. Canate as well. Yep. Trent hopefully as well. But just let me know if you guys are feeling the same optimism as I am right now. Because from what I saw from this team today, especially in the first half, that was a vintage Jurgen Klopp Liverpool mm. side. It wasn't the side of last I, season. It was brand new, refreshed and recharged. Listen, I want to hear what Mo thinks, obviously. But like I say, I'm, I'm silently optimistic. I'm not jumping out of my seat. I'm not because four games into a season, it's a 38 game season. I will have my own like solid opinion come game game, you know, game week 15, game week 16. Because you, you need consistency. If you're trying to, you know, challenge for the title or you're trying to win Europa League or win a cup or do all do all of this, right? You need to show consistency, and you also need to get a little bit of luck with injuries. And that isn't doesn't matter the size of your squad. You need to have luck with injuries. You need to have luck in these moments as well, right? It, yeah. And it's it, we got we just got to see if we have that. I think you know I look I look at our upcoming fixtures. I you know I've, I've literally keep them in front of me. Uh, you know I think the biggest games we have coming up. I think Wolves away can be a tricky one. Uh, they, it it just can be. West Ham at home, Leicester at home. Oh, uh, you know that's a nice nice couple after Europa. But then we've got three games on the bounce in the Premier League, where it's it's Tottenham away, it's Brighton away, and then it's Everton. Now. They are three that I'm. I I look at and I go right. They're they're big defining games. If you can go away to Spurs and you can go away to Brighton and come away with four points or six points, perfect. But if you come away from come away from those two games with anything less, that's when we're going to really see the reality of the situation because we need to see if we're able to balance the Thursday, Sunday schedule. It's not an easy thing for a team to balance. It's a lot harder than the Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. You know, I don't care what anyone says about Europe. The hardest Europe to be in is either the second or third division of it. Champions League is a lot easier to cope with. Uh, that's how. That's where I sit with it. So, quietly, quietly optimistic. But let's have another ten games. Let's have another, five, you know, six, no, seven course. games. But yeah, Mike, Mike's being facts here. But Mo, I just want to ask you a question on the back of that before you give your say. 
I know, you know, and to his, you know, he's correct. He's looking at how many games we've got in quick succession, and it is true. But I've always thought, and I want to get your take on this, we've actually been at our best when those games have come in thick and fast. When we have that momentum and we get into our stride, that's when I think we've actually produced results. I mean, and, and, I, and, I, and I see this with quite a few, few other teams also. I feel like with Arsenal and Man City also, I feel like these teams can be at their best. I mean, see our perfect example is, and we were a perfect example, example of this also before, where when you have two games a week and the team's fully locked in and they're fighting for something, you can see just how, you can see that's why almost our best football came yeah. or during the last 10 games of almost every season. I mean, you look at the last 10 games of uh, um, 2021, when we were we top form, we've, we've got third place, the last 10 games there, we were fighting for something, the team were locked in. You can see that. You see the next season also, we fight for the quadruple, our team were locked in the last 10 games and we played incredible football again. And last season also, we thought we thought perhaps something was possible with top four and we were locked in again except for the last two draws, of course. So I feel like almost when you have when you have the two games a week and or you're fighting for something, that's where that's when you really see the best teams. But 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 Mike is right on the on, on, on mentioning the four games because I feel like they're gonna be incredible litmus tests, litmus tests for us in terms of that yes, the, the four games now we've done well, we've collected we've, we've collected three wins and, 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 and we've collected um we've collected three wins and we've collected that draw against Chelsea. That's fantastic. But the real litmus test the real litmus test for us will be whether we can do that consistently since that we can win a Thursday, Sunday and we do that week yeah. in, week out. I mean if we're able to do that and able to rotate our squad properly, I mean that's 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 when for me I could say something perhaps or we're gonna go for the tie, what we're gonna do. So that's that's for me when I can say that convincingly. We've got we've got we've got past this litmus test first in terms of going through the Thursday, Sunday, see see how we actually cope with it and see yeah. things. Because right now, like I said, again, having one game a week is 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 a bit of a taboo recently because it doesn't really reflect the crucial periods in the season. It doesn't really reflect mm-hmm. the, the true quality of the team because we can see right now, just quickly, we can see right now that we have the quality in our team. We can see that. But do we have the mentality yet? Do we have that consistency yet? Have we have we have we refined our flaws? Have we refined our strengths yet? Have we done that yet? That we would only see during the two games a week for sure. Yeah, and I'll say this. I will say this. I think for me, the hardest part of our season won't be, you know, it, it won't be January, February. I only think it'll be the running. The hardest part of our season will be between when we get back from this international break and the end of the Europa League group stage. That will be the hardest run for us because that is when you're going to have you'll have three rounds of the cup if we get through every round. You're gonna have prem fixtures after every Europa League game, that and it's it's nonstop from from when we get back. I think we have another international break, which you know hopefully we're all good for, but it's just nonstop in the league for us. So for me, that is gonna be that that is gonna be the thing. If we can get to the start of December, second week of December, and we're still looking in a prime position, players are looking good, players are in form, and we're not having any sort of meltdown. Great, because I think we'll sign someone in January. I've got a feeling, and I've done a why. I've got this gut feeling that we are gonna buy someone in January. I predicted Andre. I think it might be Andre, but I think we'll we'll sign a six in January. I I, I do think that, and I, I I don't know why I think that. I've got nothing to back that. Literally nothing. I just have a gut feeling. Last time I had a gut feeling though it was Gakpo. So come on now. I, you know, sometimes my gut's right. So it is what it is. I feel like if we can get to that point, then we're going to be in a good position. But I'm not going to be. I'm going to be counting my chick, uh, chickens, uh, the, my eggs before they hatch, or whatever the saying is. Um, there's still a long, long, long way to go, and I. Uh, we really haven't seen, you know, the best or worst of this this team yet. No, I agree. There's, you, know, you can't say if we're going to win the league or not from four games. But I feel like what you can do is take, you know, a lot of positives from them. And yeah. if you think to, you know, look at the players that we still got to integrate into the team, which you've already mentioned, and then if you think that, I don't think we've still hit our best, which is quite impressive. We've won three out of four, and I still think we've got 
two or three gears to go before we get to, okay, this is Liverpool now. This is us back at our best. We're closer to it, of course. Last season was absolutely horrific. So we are, you know, technically closer to getting back to that level. But yeah, there's still probably a few more gears to go. And um, that's exciting because we've, we've got off to a brilliant start. We could have won all four had, you know, things gone our way at Stamford Bridge. Obviously, I don't want to go back to that. But we could have won all four. And I think if that would have happened, people would be getting a bit carried away. But um, yeah, I think we're just going to stay calm, collected and just think, you know what? It's always one game at a time. The next game is Wolves away, which I know Wolves are absolutely shocking right now. But, you know, you can't. Guarantee three points. We still, yeah, we still got to go there and do the job. Spurs and Brighton um, away. Spurs and Brighton away. The two. Brighton they're, away. They're, now, mate. Now they've lost McAllister and Caicedo, and both times we're, we've well, a few times we've gone up against Brighton and not won. Those two guys have been huge parts of their system. To be Evan Ferguson, Matoma, and Sufati is a problem. Evan Ferguson, I, on his day, I watched the Newcastle. Then you guys watched the Newcastle Brighton game. I was at cinema. Oh, fair enough, brother. But like, listen, Evan Ferguson is a huge problem, right? He's 18 years of age. He's got every attribute of every quality striker that has ever graced the Prem. He's fast. He's technical. He's got an eye for a pass. He can no, go from range. too much because he'll probably end up at Chelsea, mate. No, the thing is, I don't think he will. You, I watched his interview after the game. I think he's someone who will stay at Brighton until the right opportunity comes. And I think the right opportunity, this is a mad call, only if things go right. I think Haaland goes to Madrid. Evan Ferguson goes to City. Because they are similar molds, and I think you give it three years, and that's what I reckon happens. But that's, as I say, that's a really early call. If I'm right, let's try and come back and clip it. But <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if if I'm wrong, don't clip it. You know what I mean? Georgie says Ferguson is good, but we have Matip, mate. Uh, yeah, mate. You are. see his uh, pass to the corner today. Unbelievable. Yeah, phenomenal player. Mm. Let's just uh, conclude the streaming, guys. Mo, have you got any final thoughts on the game? Have your hopes and ambitions changed for the rest of the season? How are you feeling, mate, about Liverpool in general right now? I mean, my expectations have been exceeded. I mean, I don't know if that's because of last season, but I, 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 I didn't think we would not almost um, like cruise through or be very smooth. I, I, I thought the Newcastle game would be very, very hard for us. And I thought, and when I was watching the Chelsea game, the second half against Chelsea, I thought, in for the same stuff. We're gonna we're gonna slump through the season again in terms of that second that second half against Chelsea was really really poor. And I thought we're, I thought against definitely against Newcastle we're not gonna pick up any points. And I thought perhaps we could struggle today against Villa also. I mean the Villa game, the Villa game today I had it was a mixed full. I feel like if if, if, if Emery's stupid enough to play the high line, we're definitely gonna be there. And he did so fair enough. So fair enough. But but yeah my in my overall expectations in my opinion have exceeded I didn't I didn't think we would get 10 out of 12 points because of because of the games we had Chelsea and Newcastle. But now that I'm watching my team, this is a team that should have got 10 out of 12 points. Now that I'm actually watching the play, I'm like, yeah, perhaps we could have even won the Chelsea game to be a bit better. But, but overall, yeah, I'm satisfied. Satisfied. Yeah, and just before I go to you, Mike, I think something we haven't touched on today's pod, but we've touched on in the last three or four, five, six, seven. Jürgen Klopp, once again, confirms that Mo Salah is untouchable. And Dominic Soboslai actually came out after the game and said, Mo wants to be here. Mo's going to stay here. You know, we all want him. We all need Mo. So, just before you go on uh, to answer the same thing that uh, Mo just did, that puts that one to bed, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Listen, it, it does. You know, we, we're keeping Mo both on the pod and at the club. So, you know, we're keeping the two best Mo's in, in the country. So, I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, listen. I think it's at the we all. I feel like anyone with any common sense knew this was you know that league uh, riling up the speculation trying to get something happening, right? 
it's all it all re, it's all it really seems to me because the agent came out a couple of weeks ago said it wasn't happening. Salah's made zero noise about it. There's been no noise that's mm. came out saying that Salah wants to leave. There's nothing. There, there's really nothing in it. I think next summer there's don't get me wrong. There's possibilities next summer. Hundred percent. I think he'll go next summer. Yeah. I, think I, I don't know whether I'd say he'd 100% will. I, I, I think after hearing Salva Sly today say, you know, he wants to be here, he wants to play. I think it depends, I think it depends yeah. how the season goes. I feel like if, 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 we, don't make, if we don't make huge strides, he's going to be in a position where he's 32, 33, a big contract on the table. He's thinking, uh, he's, yeah, I feel like it really depends on how the season goes. Really depends. We need, yeah. we need Champions League and we need to show that we are, you know, title, title contenders. We do that. I think Salah stays. I think if we get fifth place Champions League, he leaves. I think it's yeah. a different type of Champions League. You know, if you get that fifth place spot and we get it, kind of thing with this new Champions League rule, that's that's not the kind of Champions League qualification that I think will uh, keep him. But it is what it is uh, in, in terms of everything else. So listen, I think you know Robo. Uh, shout out to Robo. I think he's really blending into the system a lot better now. He's choosing the timing of his runs a lot better. He looks a lot more nice, comfortable in the three. 95 pass accuracy for Robertson today, which is... We love that. That's very impressive. And it's like, you know, like Mo said before, we're finding a new way to attack now. It's not all through the fullbacks. We're now finding the pockets through midfield. We're seeing our, uh, you know, seeing Jones and Sobisly occupy the widest positions at times now in this new formation, which I think is it's fascinating to watch how the, how the rotation happens between them and the winger to allow sort of the winger to become more inverted and they take out, the, the you know, this wide position. Um... Uh, only only thing that I'm concerned about is just how narrow we are on that right-hand side on occasion, but is what it is. Uh, I think overall, though, listen, 12 points, uh, sorry, 10 points uh, from the first four games. Hmm. We've got better as each game has gone on. I think performance after performance, we've improved in some way. The fight we've shown against Newcastle, I feel like very early to call, but could be a defining moment. Um, one of many that happened throughout the season. You know, if it goes the other way, it's a defining moment for the wrong reason. Nunes looks good. Salah looks good. Trent looks like he's slowly getting himself back to his best, better than we've seen him before. Sobersly and Mark have hit the ground running. I think Endo long-term is going to pay off. I think 16 mil for a, a, a six that can go out see out a game consistently for the next three, four years is good investment. I'm very excited about Gravenberg. And um, yeah, listen, next time we see each other, hopefully there'll be more stuff to talk about that's positive. But uh, good place right now. I'm very excited. Mm, absolutely. And just touching on the next time we'll see each other, it will be your Wolves preview. Uh, I'm not going to do anything in the break, guys. I'm just going to take a little bit of time off the channel. It's been relentless from pre-season up until now. We did every single pre-season friendly. We've done every single preview. We've done transfer parts. We're just going to have a couple weeks off to just recharge and reflect and um, we'll go again for the Wolves preview. But where I stand with this team, guys... I absolutely love it. I love every player we've got. I love the manager. I think Klopp absolutely loved that performance today. You know, there was that thing in the um, in the programme which we reported yesterday where he had asked the fans to not sing his song up until the game's won and the fans listened to him and they did that today and he bowed down to the cop at the end of the game because of that. Um, and I think Klopp's stated it so many times in the last few weeks how confident he is in these boys and that's good enough for me. If he's confident in this team, I am. And people say, oh, you just copy what Jurgen Klopp says. Well, yeah, because he knows more than you, believe it or not. Like, this is the team. He, this is the best manager I've ever seen in my lifetime at Liverpool. So, if he's confident in Hodgson these boys... Pretty good. <laughs> if he's confident in this team, then I share that confidence with him. And I thoroughly believe that yeah. we can do something this season. Whatever that is, remains to be seen. But I said yesterday on Twitter, 
we are winning one trophy minimum this season, and that is going to be the Europa League. We'll win that, and then it depends what else we do. Whether we go on a title yeah. charge, yeah. the Cups, whatever. We are winning at least one trophy this season. So um, I'm very optimistic, as I always am. I'm very happy with the, the guys. Very happy Mo's obviously staying. Um, and yeah, it's onwards and upwards. But um, guys, that is all we've got time for today. We've gone on for an hour. Please make sure you smash the like button on the way out. That would be massively appreciated. And uh, make sure you subscribe and turn your notifications on so you know when we are live for the Wolves preview. Take care, guys, and we'll see you after the international break. Sports Social Podcast Network.